It's 1914. World War I has just started. All the world is in a frenzy. But on one island in Hawaii, there's a community of people whose lives have been put on hold for almost 50 years already. Hundreds of adults and children with leprosy, also known as Hansen's disease, are quarantined on a remote peninsula called Kalupapa on Molokai Island. They've been torn from their families with little to no notice and brought to this paradise on Earth. Even though they're surrounded by some of the most stunning views in Hawaii, they're trapped indefinitely in a so-called leper colony, caught between the ocean and one of the tallest sea cliffs on Earth. They've been forced into exile for fear that they'd spread the disease. And now they have no choice but to wait for a treatment, for a cure, or just to be able to go back home to their families. At this time, Hansen's disease isn't just a Hawaii problem, though. People around the world are seeing a rise in cases, and they're scared of catching it. The disease mainly causes nerve damage and skin lesions, but it is infectious and visible. Which means, in addition to being physically painful, it carries so much stigma that people with the disease become social outcasts. And doctors around the world are trying everything under the sun to find a treatment. But so far, nothing is working. Meanwhile, on another island just 57 miles away, there's a 22-year-old student named Alice Ball, getting her master's in chemistry at Hawaii College in Honolulu. Alice becomes the first woman and first Black woman to get a master's from Hawaii College. And over the next few years, she meets the right people at the right time to create the first effective treatment for Hansen's disease. But she won't get public recognition for her work for another 80 years until local researchers went digging through the archives. In 1977, I was teaching ethnic studies, Black studies in particular, and I couldn't find information on not only Black women in Hawaii, but Blacks in Hawaii. And so I went to the state archives and began to uncover a bit, including Alice Ball's name. Why did it take so long for the world to find out about an extraordinary young woman who changed thousands of lives? And how far will some people go to take credit for what isn't theirs? From Something Else and Sony Music Entertainment, this is They Did That. I'm Takara Small. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's the summer of 1914, and a 22-year-old Alice Augusta Ball arrives in Honolulu, Hawaii. Honolulu would have been a thriving, bustling seaport. Tourism hadn't really begun at that time. This is Dr. Catherine Takara. She's been looking into Alice's story for over 40 years. 
On this trip, Alice is headed just outside the city to the College of Hawaii. She was a graduate student in the chemistry department, and she was the first woman, much less a black woman, the first woman to graduate with a master's degree in chemistry from Hawaii College, it was called then. Dr. Takara taught at the University of Hawaii at Manoa for 30 years. The same campus Alice Ball walked through over a century ago. There was not yet the East-West Center. There was not yet the School of Law or the School of Medicine. By the time Alice arrives in Hawaii, the college is only seven years old. And it has just one building surrounded by tree groves and pig farms. Walking around the small campus with less than 100 students, there was something else Alice might have noticed. To contextualize Alice Ball, in my research on Black women in Hawaii, I only found three women, three African-American or Black women, living in Hawaii. It's hard to know how Alice felt about being the only Black woman on campus. From her college photo, it's clear that she's light-skinned. And it seems that people might have thought she was Hawaiian or even white. But no one has found any of Alice's journals, if they even exist. So we have no way of knowing how being Black actually impacted her life in Hawaii. I can imagine some things, though. I can imagine her ignoring her classmates' double takes, being made to feel like an outsider, having to be the best at absolutely everything to stand out. What we do know is that she had enough support from her family to be here at all. It wasn't unheard of for women to go to college in the 1900s, but it certainly wasn't the norm to pay a ton of money to send your daughter across the ocean for a master's degree. But Alice came from a prominent family of photographers. In fact, her grandfather's works included portraits of people like Frederick Douglass and Charles Dickens. Alice's family not only had the means to help her achieve her dreams, but the sense to encourage dreaming in the first place. And their support wasn't lost on Alice. She was an incredibly hard worker. She was doing experiments for her master's in the morning and volunteering as an English tutor in the evenings. From morning until probably in the evening around eight would be her working hours. She was probably quite exhausted. That was just how Alice was built. I mean, her high school graduation quote even read, I work and work and still it seems I have nothing done. But Alice wasn't just a hard worker. She was also brilliant. By the time she was 22, she had two bachelor degrees from the University of Washington, one in chemistry and the other in pharmaceutical chemistry. And she had already co-published an article in a prestigious chemistry journal. This was the moment Alice had been working towards, the day she could start a master's program and soon start working as a professional. And she knew exactly what she wanted to tackle first. She was interested even then in the healing properties of the Ava root. Alice hit the ground running. She started researching for her master's thesis on the Ava or Kava root. Now that might sound familiar, it's the root of a shrub known for having medicinal, sometimes even psychedelic, effects. And it was while working on this project that Alice Ball met the men who would facilitate the beginning and end of her professional career.
Now, I just want to point out that as far as we know, Alice didn't leave behind any personal journals or notes about who she talked to and when. But thanks to some detective work from a few researchers and with a little imagination, we can connect the dots of what happened in the years following Alice's arrival in Hawaii. So picture this. Alice is 22 years old, the only woman in her department working away on her thesis about the kava root. She's probably by herself in one of the labs and that lone college building on campus. Or maybe she's sharing it with one or two of her classmates. Her advisor checks in on her from time to time, but she's mostly in her own world, completely focused on her project. She's using meat choppers, vacuum ovens, and beakers for her experiments. And she scribbles down notes as she goes, writing a more polished account of her process on a typewriter, only when she's confident she's got it figured out. Method of extraction. The fresh rhizome was chopped up and then ground up by means of a meat chopper. In the preliminary work, the material was dried in a vacuum oven at a temperature not exceeding 40 degrees centigrade. In the later Alice work, is trying to isolate the one specific chemical principle or ingredient of the root that causes psychedelic side effects. Because this root is making people bug out. Not just from the trippy effects of eating the root, though but also because there's a lot of chatter going around that the kava root might be causing Hansen's disease. Of course, that wasn't true, but back then no one knew for sure. So for her master's thesis, Alice decides she's going to find out what exactly the kava root is made of. Is it causing this disease? Or is it just another source of a good time with a bad reputation? Alice builds on work by chemists who came before her, and soon she isolates the root's active ingredient, and she wants to run some tests to see what it does. Only problem is, the active ingredient. It's kind of greasy, which is not great for testing. Because just like oil and water don't mix, if Alice injects this ingredient straight into a lab animal, there's no way it'll get absorbed into its bloodstream. So Alice has to put the ingredient through a chemical process called esterification. All you have to know about that is that esterification uses acids to break down the greasy substance until it can dissolve in water. Esterification isn't a breakthrough science, but it is pretty complicated. Not a lot of chemists are fluent in it. But Alice is, and she commits to the process and comes up with a kava root solution that can be injected for testing. But first, Alice needs animals to test on. And Hawaii College, startup that it is, doesn't have enough money for lab animals. So, Alice goes somewhere she knows will have more resources. The Leprosy Investigation Station. The Leprosy Investigation Station is based at a hospital just about 20 miles inland from the University of Hawaii. And the doctors there are treating new patients, deciding whether to send them across the water to Kalupapa's leper colony. When Alice reaches out to the station, she gets connected with its director, Dr. George McCoy. She writes about him in her thesis. The animals used were rabbits of about six pounds weight. The injections were made by Dr. George McCoy. Dr. McCoy works with Alice, injecting the rabbits with the active ingredient of the kava root. And he gets to know her process. Most importantly, he takes note of her use of esterification, making a greasy or oily thing water-soluble. Back at the investigation station, one of Dr. McCoy's employees is all fired up about a new promising treatment for Hansen's disease. 
His name is Dr. Harry Holman, and he's just learned of a treatment that uses another plant-based oil, chamogra oil. Chamogra is a kind of tree, and chamogra oil, which is extracted from the tree seeds, has been used to heal ulcers and other skin lesions caused by Hansen's disease for hundreds of years. It sounds pretty miraculous, but Dr. Holman knows the treatment isn't sustainable. People usually take the oil in a drink, but it makes them so nauseous they don't want to take it again. The cure, or in this case, the treatment, is worse than the disease. So instead, some doctors in Egypt and India have tried injecting it, but that has its own problems. Because chalmogra oil is like a paste at room temperature. It creates lumps under the skin when it's injected. Painful. But Dr. Holman believes in chalmogra oil. It can be a fantastic relief for people who suffer from Hansen's disease. If only he can figure out how to make the oil water soluble so that it can be injected safely. Sound familiar? Dr. Holman takes this problem to his boss, Dr. McCoy. And McCoy knows just what to do. After all, he's just worked with a brilliant young woman who used a similar process while working on another natural material. In fact, Alice is presenting her thesis on that other plant, the kava, or ava root, at the College of Hawaii. College of Hawaii, May 14, 1915. The thesis herewith on the chemical constituents of the active principle of the ava root by Alice A. Ball clearly demonstrates her ability to do original work and to present her results in logical form. Approved. Signed. Chair of the Committee on Advanced Degrees. Alice has her master's in hand. Just a year after arriving in Hawaii, she becomes the first woman, and the first Black woman at that, to become a chemistry professor and head of the chemistry department at the College of Hawaii. And it's just about then that Alice gets word from Dr. Holman. Hey, I know you're teaching all day, running a whole department, and doing your own research, but is there any chance you can help us out with this chalmogra oil problem? Alice dives in. She works overtime to find a treatment for this wretched disease. To make this powerful plant's oil something a patient can take safely and comfortably through this process of esterification. Less than a year later, in 1916, Alice figures it out. She comes up with a process to make the first ever effective treatment for Hansen's disease. A treatment that would relieve so much suffering. Alice goes to Dr. Holman and explains everything to him. A triumphant and trailblazing 23-year-old Black woman making a name for herself in a field dominated by white men. But before she can dot her I's and cross her T's on the research, Alice falls terribly sick. While teaching one of her classes, she accidentally inhales a toxic gas. She was forced to, or she chose to, go back to Seattle, be with her family, and be treated there, but shortly thereafter, she did pass away. After nine months of illness, Alice Ball dies in Seattle on December 31st, 1916, at 24 years old, never having had the chance to publish her findings, never having a chance to see her work change lives, or the chance to tackle more problems or take her research into new areas. An unbearably bright future cut far too short. 
And meanwhile, back in Hawaii, there's someone getting ready to capitalize on Alice's tragedy for his own success. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Dr. Holman held on to Alice's research for a while after she got sick, probably hoping she'd come back and finish the job herself. But when it became clear that she wasn't getting any better, Dr. Holman decided he couldn't sit on these findings anymore. And that's when he reached out to someone who, we can say now, maybe he shouldn't have. Someone who took up space, too much space to be honest, in Alice's life and in her legacy. A man named Arthur Dean. Dean was also a professor of chemistry, he was the president of Hawaii College, and he was Alice's advisor. We don't know exactly how involved he was in Alice's process. Maybe his version of advising was poking his head into the lab, or maybe it was sitting down with Alice to work through her roadblocks. But what we do know is that when Alice died and left her work behind, Dean took that research, tweaked it a little, and published it in his own name. Alice wasn't a co-author. She wasn't even given a single mention. Here's Dr. Catherine Takara again, now retired professor at the University of Hawaii at Manoa. It was certainly, for someone who was as distinguished as Dr. Dean, it was absolutely uh, non-questionable that he could put his name on her research, and proceed along some of her laurels. Alice had created a method to make this medicine injectable, this medicine that people with Hansen's disease so desperately needed. And it worked. No more vomiting or painful lumps. Dean was a capable chemist in his own right, but what he did here wasn't original work. He simply broke Alice's method into four steps and called it something new. The Dean Method. I'm not saying that he did not do good things, but I'm saying in terms of Alice Ball, the woman, the dark one, although she wasn't necessarily real dark in skin color, but the minority, um, there was no, probably not even a thought about it. It was just an easy thing to do. Why would he steal her work? What could Dean get out of taking credit for Alice's work? It was not the cure for Hansen's disease, but it was progress, and why not take the credit? You know, that just would enhance his resume. For 25 years after Alice's death, 
Thousands of people relied on her treatment for relief. And in those years, Dean was mass-producing Alice's creation and taking sole credit for it. Because Dean stole Alice's research, what should have been the ball method became the Dean method. Where it should have been Alice's name traveling to corners of the world, impacted by her treatment, getting international acclaim, it was Arthur Dean's name instead. And close to home, in Kalupapa, it was Dean getting to report that no new patients were sent to the leper colony, getting credit for all those lives improved. No doubt it was easier for him to take advantage of the situation, maybe because Alice was a woman or because she was Black. But I can't help but wonder, would this have happened if Alice hadn't died? Would he have gotten away with this? I would say that back in the 1920s, that he could get away with it, that people would not question it, especially if it was a so-called minority, be she woman, be she a woman of color. It's not surprising that this was the fate of Alice's work. I mean, this kind of thing still happens today. And who knows, if Alice hadn't died so soon after her discovery, maybe she would have managed to get credit for her work right away. But usually, that's not how things go. It's just a default of, do I want to say white male dominance? You know, this sense of entitlement that um, she was like a, a smart girl. You didn't hear much about them, only after the fact. Maybe, probably. To a lot of people, she was just a smart girl, no one with real power or the ingenuity to be someone great. But there was someone who knew Alice and remembered her as the vibrant, dedicated, and sharp person she was. And he wasn't going to let the record only show Dean's version of the events. Dr. Harry Holman, the guy who had initially reached out to Alice to help treat Hansen's disease, set the record straight in 1922, six years after Alice's death. He described in a paper about the Chamulgar oil treatment, how Alice first got started on the project, and how she, quote, solved the problem for me by making the oil into esters. Next, in all caps, the title of a new section. Dr. Holman writes, quote, Ball's method of making ethyl esters of the fatty acids of Chomulgra oil. But he doesn't stop there. He keeps going and directly calls Dean out for stealing Alice's work. He writes, I cannot see that there is any improvement whatsoever over the original technique as worked out by Miss Ball. The original method will allow any physician in any asylum for lepers in the world to isolate and use the ethyl esters of Chalmugra fatty acids in treating his cases, while the complicated distillation and vacuo will require very delicate and not always obtainable apparatus. It was like Dr. Holman dropped a bomb on Arthur Dean's lie. But then nothing happened. Holman's accounts were published in a seldom-read journal, and the paper just sat in the archives, waiting to be discovered. Until years later, in the 70s, one professor dug up Alice's name in state archives and set off a chain reaction of research that link by link would bring Alice's work back into the world. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The uncovery of Alice Ball's legacy started in 1977, when Dr. Catherine Takara was doing research for her classes on ethnic and Black studies at the University of Hawaii at Manoa. She was having a hard time finding anything about the history of Black people in Hawaii, especially Black women. So when she found a few names, including Alice Ball's, she felt like she had a lead. And so from there, I began to try and dig deeper to find out a little bit more about these Black women. Dr. Takara followed whatever paper trail she could find. It took her from the state archives to the mission house in Honolulu, and she finally found the answer closer to home. A colleague of mine, a Black professor who was uh, head of the graduate library with technology, and he and his colleague were able to dig up other sources that I had not found. Eventually, Dr. Takara wrote a short article on the history of Black people in Hawaii, including Alice Ball. And that could have been the end of her research into Alice's life, but for a man named Stan Ali. Stan Ali was a Black man from Maryland a snowbird who went up to Hawaii with his wife in the wintertime. And on one of his trips, he happened to see Dr. Takara's article. And he had seen that and become totally fascinated with this woman and came to find me, actually, at the university. And he picked up the ball, a lot of it, and helped to create the Alice Ball identity in Hawaii. Stan Ali dedicated himself to researching Alice Ball's life. Along the way, he met Paul Wormager, former head of the Science and Technology Department at the University of Hawaii. Paul had also stumbled on Alice's name in the 90s, and he was game to partner up and dive deep into research with Stan. Stan and Paul spent years comparing notes, and much of what we know about Alice Ball is because of them. Dr. Takara was also still checking in from time to time, and she remembers when she first learned that Alice's name was erased from her own work. It's just predictable. I grew up in the Jim Crow South, and any kind of knowledge of Black history, any mention of Black contributions, etc., were certainly not in textbooks. I feel like, I still feel like, Black history has been lost, stolen, and strayed in many parts of the United States, in the world, and especially in Hawaii. For Dr. Takara, this kind of erasure isn't just about Alice Ball. It's about how, in the best-case scenario, only a few Black individuals are embraced for their contributions. 
but the large group never is. To her, the tragedy in Alice Ball's erasure isn't just about how Alice deserved better. It's about how the entire community deserved better. The problem of lost Black history is very present in Dr. Takara's mind. Every time she thinks of the students who used to sit in her classroom looking for themselves in history. My experience was that my African-American students knew very little about Black history, were not taught Black history, were so empty in their heads of the glories of Black history, the contributions of Black history, the sense of pride in themselves and what they have contributed. Thanks to Dr. Takara's work and the incredible commitment of Stan Ali and Paul Wormager, there are now so many more resources available about Alice Ball, her life, and her legacy. Only recently have people begun to discover her and her contributions, and the Black Student Union here at the University of Hawaii has pushed forward now to have a building named after her. Today, there's a small community keeping Alice's memory alive, and more people are starting to learn about her story. In Hawaii, February 28th is now Alice Ball Day, and anyone who visits the University of Hawaii campus at Manoa will be able to walk by Alice's portrait hanging in Hamilton Library, or go outside to see a chomulga tree planted in her honor. Alice Ball, untimely heroine. What were her thoughts, her favorite colors? What issues did she ponder? Women's rights? Over the last few years, more and more Black students at the University of Hawaii campus have fought for other ways to honor Alice. They even named their Black graduation ceremony after her. This year, when there was a ceremony to remember Alice on February 28th, these students and faculty stood under the Chomulga tree on campus and took some time to reflect on Alice's life. Dr. Takara even recited a poem she had written for Alice. One wonders if she became as bitter as Chalmugra oil at her lack of recognition, reputation, and tangible success. Today we gather to give homage in all our diversity and to pay our belated respects, to resurrect her outstanding accomplishments as a pioneer in chemistry and her significant research and role in helping large numbers of people to suffer less, to suffer less, to live more, to live more. The more students on the University of Hawaii campus learn about Alice's work, the bigger their goals get to reclaim her name and her legacy. Next on their list, to right a wrong and rename Dean Hall, Ball Hall. When I asked Dr. Takara what she thinks Alice's response would be to this new student movement, here's what she said. I think her response would be humble yet proud. I think that she would quietly smile at her legacy and at and for those of us who dared to cross the boundaries and insist on discovering her and learning about her. 
I picture her smile. I picture her quietude in a way, her contentment. What other works might be lost? What legacies have been buried? What history should we correct next? We want to hear from you. Tell us. Next time on They Did That. The more power she gained, the more successful she became. It became an issue. It was jealousy. He wanted to do what she was doing. He wanted to be the director. He wanted to make movies. They Did That is presented by me, Takara Small. Voiceover by Camila Kashani, Connor Sychek, and Grant Irving. This episode is written and produced by Ava Ahmed Begi. Our associate producer is Camila Kashani. This episode was edited by Lizzie Jacobs with additional editing support by Tiara Darnell and Keith Romer. Executive producers are Lizzie Jacobs and Tom Koenig. Engineering and sound design by Rick Kwan. Our production coordinator is Lily Hambly. And our original theme song is by Cedric Wilson. Special thanks to Paul Warmager. Be sure to look out for his and Stan Ali's biography of Alice Ball 